record button and I want to learn the theme song well enough to where like I'll just hum it as part of the intro so like the theme song plays and then I'll and, like it'll just pick up with me humming it like ticket 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 shout out to Mr. Josh Mitchum for again the awesome theme song Hey, what's going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Midnight Terrors podcast, episode three. I am Kevin, here with... Um, well, it's Bucky, and Bucky is here <laughs> with Diamond. Um, and we are doing Midnight Terror, and uh, we appreciate you tuning in, I think. Yeah, ho- hopefully <laughs> as the episodes are coming out, you are uh, tuning in and letting us know what you think of the show. We're... Uh, we're having a blast recording the episodes so far. We're just like, let's do another one. Let's do another one. Yeah, it's fun. Um, I mean, we can we can talk for hours about this stuff. Um, yeah, we usually do. Hopefully everybody uh, enjoys it and uh, is on board. Or um, I'm excited about getting feedback and just seeing what everybody thinks. And, um, you know, everybody's responses so it'll be fun yeah absolutely well thank you everybody for tuning in to the midnight terrors podcast and uh our episode two was on hunger from 2009 a first pick from uh mr diamond jason i'll just say your name's backwards now (laughs) (laughs) and uh diamond jason over there picking hunger from 2009 awesome first movie uh hopefully you guys heard the episode and you went and checked it out this week we're gonna Basically, just gush and fanboy over some of our favorite practical effects in the horror genre, and there are so many to choose from. Um, I'm gonna let uh, Diamond take the lead on this one a little bit um, because a lot of these movies that have the best practical effects to me are usually ones that he's recommended to me. Um, you know, we touched on the '80s being a, a golden age of of horror. And uh, a lot of those movies that have the best practical effects are the ones that you recommended to me. So I'm going to let you take the lead on this one, and I'll uh, I'll just kind of riff off you as we go along. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's definitely um, with our first episode, we kind of went with a specific movie, which um, actually The Hunger did a, a really great job. Um, there was like zero CGI in it. Um, mm-hmm. it, was, it was all practical effects. Um, the body parts that they eat, man, are are so gross. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty rough. Um, and uh, with with horror movies in general, I mean, uh, you know, practical effects just bring it home. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, watching something so. I mean, if you imagine watching, especially a an old school, um, you know, horror movie, whether you're watching Halloween, whether you're watching Friday the Thirteenth, where you know it, any of those, like just imagine seeing those with just horrible CGI in it. Yeah, um, a lot of a lot of those um, classics would not be as <laughs> as loved as they as they are today if uh, if we were using CGI. Yeah, and so I mean it just uh, that um that realism to it or uh, just feeling connected to it uh is is just so much better. Um For sure. Um, I mean cuz even if you go as far back as like alien like mm-hmm. is one of my favorite I, I guess you can consider it horror um i, I, don't I would know if i would i would say so i'm sure there's a little bit of a debate in the horror community as to whether you'd call it a it's another one of those ones where maybe people wouldn't call it a full-fledged horror movie but i honestly think that alien itself is but I think that when people think of Alien, they also think of Aliens, which is more of an action film. But Correct. I mean, go back and rewatch Alien, the original Ridley oh, yeah. Scott Alien, and I mean, it's scary as shit. Yeah, yeah, the original Alien, like I definitely consider as as, as a legit uh, like horror film. Yeah, that's um, that's and- that's up there with um, 
when I was a kid, I never thought about this movie as a as a horror film. But as I get older, I'm like, no, it it really is. It's staged like a horror movie, and there's a lot of scares in it that that make it so um, Jaws. Oh yeah, man. Um, I, I see. I see your point, and and I when I think about horror movies. I, I wouldn't put Jaws in that category necessarily, mm-hmm. uh, but but yeah, I mean it it, it definitely is, um, and the practical effects in in Jaws, like I mean even watching it today, um, Quint <laughs> getting <laughs> getting eaten by the shark, like and just getting his legs chewed off, like yeah, a piece, and he's like you know just screaming in terror. Like it's uh, it's great, yeah. See, so, I mean, it is uh, essentially, you know, a horror movie. Um, yeah, and I think I think it's you know we didn't really plan for it. We we've talked about as we're gonna go through these episodes, uh, and and as we go through doing this podcast, we've we've talked about kind of doing you know bullet points with uh, with little topics that we want to hit on. But I feel like you know this wasn't planned at all. We were like, let's just talk, let's just riff and talk about some of our favorite practical effects, but I feel like uh, it's perfect that we started with Jaws and Alien because that's like, you know, top tier practical effects. Yeah. Um, and one, one of my favorite things about uh, Alien um, is uh, Ridley Scott, uh, the, the initial um, scene with the chest burster. Nobody mm-hmm. on- Nobody on set knew that was going to happen, um, like the effects guys did, um, yeah. but none of the actors knew that that was going to happen. Yeah, I was um, I was actually they're... listening to another uh, podcast just yesterday that they were talking about Alien, and I guess there's a little bit of debate on how much they knew because the one host on the podcast I was listening to said that, oh, I know everybody says they didn't know the chestburster was going to be there. They knew it was going to be there. They saw the prop. What they weren't aware of was the blood splatter amount that was going to happen so there is i guess there's a little bit of a debate about that but i mean nevertheless man like well basically what basically what i've seen on it not that not that they didn't know that something was going to happen they just didn't know what was going to happen so it was like uh, at this certain point he's going to start choking and he's going to fall back on the table and something's going to happen yeah oh dude i can't I feel that in my chest whenever I watch that scene. That <laughs> yeah. is that is one of the the great. I mean, we all know that feeling of of choking and being short of breath. And uh, I'm sure as a kid seeing that, I was probably like, "Oh God, do I have an alien in me too now?" Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, so yeah, and so I mean, I mean, the point of it was like they, um, how much knowledge they had of it, you know aside they they knew that something was going to happen but they didn't Mm -hmm. know exactly what was going to happen and so like the reactions from um you know the actors was was just great like um but either way like so the practical effects thing like alien had it down like it, there was nothing, and you know you got to remember too. I mean, this is, uh, late seventies, early eighties. Yeah, nineteen seventy nine is when uh, Alien came out. Yep, that's what I was gonna say. Like I knew it was, um, in that area, and I mean for for them to be able to do all that they did, um, especially with the Alien. And everything like it, it looks so convincing. Yeah. When Um, I, when I watch alien and I see the, the slow reveal of the creature, I never sit back and think like, oh, I can see the seams of that. It is so precisely done that I look at the movements of the xenomorph and I'm like, that is a real creature. Yeah. And it's, um, it's very convincing, um, and it's it's a testament to being able to shoot 
around the creature or or shoot in a way that makes it convincing without having to use CGI. Exactly. And, uh, you yeah. know, even even before the full-fledged uh, xenomorph shows up, just the, the fa- not just the face huggers, but just the look of the eggs when it opens up and there's all that, oh, you know, yeah. particularly placed, like, slime and the tail falls off to the side. You're just kind of, like, sucked in by what you're looking at. Yeah, it is. Um, it's it's uh, it's pretty interesting, and it's it's a testament to uh, you know uh, the people that that made it um, and HR uh, Geiger's uh, design um, and Ridley Scott. You know, just does a great job with that, and that's um, it's one of those things that especially with cgi i'm like don't use it unless you have to yeah i agree Um, and that was that was one of the things especially like um so not not horror movies but um watching like lord of the rings oh yeah when you watch the the original lord of the rings like you're watching it and everything that they could practically do they did mm-hmm. if they had to go cgi they went cgi yeah but it's not obvious and then you go back and watch uh because they had um they had him do uh you know the um the hobbit mm-hmm. trilogy and and it was all cgi yeah. And she's like, dude, why? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Save a little like, bit of why? money and make it look better at the same time. Two birds, one stone. Yeah. Um, so it's like, it's, it's, it's directors that it, uh, make it a point to not use it unless they have to. Sure. That makes it great. Yeah. And you, you were talking about not using CGI unless you have to. And one movie that just popped into my head. Um, I mean, I would consider this a horror movie. I guess technically you could put it under that horror action um, banner. Mm-hmm. But I'm thinking right now of um, World War Z with uh, Brad Pitt. Yeah. And I remember I was starting to read the book before the movie came out. And I remember being so jazzed for it. And I was pretty underwhelmed by it and I understand they had a lot of zombies that they wanted to get in camera because it's you know it's World War Z but I felt like they overused the CGI in the movie in that it like made the zombies less scary like even when they would close up I'm like just do some good makeup you know well in the same vein so with that same thing with I Am Legend Oh God, yeah. My, I got Which, a I got a soft spot for I Am Legend because I saw it in high school and I thought it was like the greatest thing ever. But I go back and watch it now and I'm like, oh, you didn't need to do the CGI vampire creatures. So and and, and honestly, like that remake with Will Smith, like I mean, it's a it's a pretty good movie, mm-hmm. but the CGI just kills it. Like, yeah. You know, seeing those creatures, which they're supposed to be vampires or zombies or whatever they are. Um, yeah, they never fully define exactly yeah. what they are. But it 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 kills it. Like I I remember watching the movie and because I don't think they even appear until like halfway through. Like you actually get to see one. Yeah, the and the, then, the best and parts of them. Yeah, the best parts of the movie are when you're just hearing the noises and you're not fully aware of what he's what he's up against yet. Right, exactly. But then you pull back to um the remake of Dawn of the Dead. You you took exactly. the thoughts right out of my head. Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead is one of the best zombie movies and one of the best horror movies ever rocked it 100 um, uh very little cgi um there's there's a couple of parts with like the uh 
the zombie baby and stuff like that. But um, yeah, for but the most part, all practical. Yeah, um, and there are two moments that stand out to me whenever I think of that movie, which is when the main girl wakes up and her husband has already turned into a zombie. Um, and, oh, yeah. And that's all makeup. And he chases her down the street as he's, you know, as or as she's driving the car. And also when um, Ty Burrell from uh, Modern Family or Phil Dunphy, as I'll just forever refer yeah. to him yeah, as, yeah. when he finally yeah. turns towards the end of the movie, that makeup and the effects on like his eyes and the the practical zombies are just always better. And they're d- done so well in Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, it's done very well. Um, and those are... Um, those are some of the well, I mean, like, and I didn't even realize at the time that Zack Snyder did uh, the Dawn of the Dead remake. Yeah, um, I think I also saw that before I knew who Zack Snyder it, was. Yeah, that didn't occur to me until way later. Um, but the um, the remake of uh, Night of the Living Dead um, from the eighties was great mm-hmm. too. And it's got your uh it's got your boy from Candyman in there. I can't remember his name, but uh like the guy that plays Candyman? Yeah. Oh, uh Tony Todd? Yeah. Yeah, Tony yeah, Todd, awesome. A, yeah, he's one of the main characters. Okay, very um, cool, yeah. Yeah, so um that's another good one too, and and practical the practical effects in that are, are really good. Yeah. Um but definitely um, with the practical effects, um, we got to talk about the thing. Oh, because again, <laughs> just if if uh, if Jaws and Alien are what I refer to as top tier practical effects, the thing John Carpenter's version is like god tier practical effects. Yeah. And we're coming off of the freshness of both of us having just seen it yeah, on the on the, the, on the big screen for the 40th anniversary with Fathom Events. Yeah, and absolutely. I mean, my God, dude, for that movie to be 40 years old and the thing transformations to be so unsettling and so disgusting, um, just every moment, like it's magnetic. You can't look anywhere else when that thing is either assimilating someone or transforming into all its various versions. I mean, again, we could talk for hours about the damn spider head. <laughs> like, well, and, and you know what the, the thing too is that, um, uh, I was a little concerned about seeing it in 4k because yeah, I was like, same. okay, I, I'm going to see it in 4k and then maybe I'm going to see these flaws or like, I mean, it would, it wouldn't detract from the movie for me, but no, not at all. At the same time, I was just like, okay, seeing in 4k, I might see some flaws here and there. No, it actually, um, it actually almost for me in, and I'm sure for you as well, it actually kind of enhanced the viewing for me this time. Yeah. It getting, held up very well. Yeah. Getting to see up because there's no flaws in it. It's just, you think about there's so many great um, practical effect moments in the thing, the the dog creature at the beginning, obviously the famous um, chest mouth, um, yeah. the the spider, yeah, yeah the spider head, the blood test. It's just getting you gotta to be fucking kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just just getting to see it on the on the big screen. Um, I mean, shit, dude, even my favorite scene in The Thing, and I'm sure a lot of people feel this way, but when Bennings has been assimilated by The Thing and The Thing crawls out in the snow and it hasn't finished transforming yet and it just has those claw hands. Yeah, and he's and just it, And it lets out that, like, <laughs> yeah, it lets out that yeah. god-awful scream. That thing is yeah. so terrible. If I ever heard that from just out of nowhere, I would, like, shit myself with fear. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, I think, that especially horror movie wise, um, I I can't think of anyone that's 
or any movie that's done it better practically. No, um, not at all. If if anyone has uh, tried to stick to their guns or tried to keep it that way, I would say Sam Raimi. Oh God, yeah, uh, the Deadites but, man all the way. Yeah, because he he tries to keep it there. Um, well, even still in the um, in the remake of Evil Dead done by I forget who directed that one, but they still. For the oh, from yeah. what I remember, they still kept that same feel, and I haven't seen Ash vs. Evil Dead just yet. But from what I understand, from what you've told me about it, it's the same way there too. Oh yeah, oh yeah, they keep to the they keep to the practical stuff, and like so, that's what kind of ruined. Now going back and watching the prequel or whatever you want to call it for the thing. Yeah, um, it was like kind of a remake but a but a prequel at the same time yeah yeah the first time that i saw it um i was disappointed mm-hmm. um yeah and you, and, and you never you never said it was a terrible movie per se but you kind of in comparison to the carpenter version which is arguably one of the greatest horror movies ever made you're yeah. kind of you're setting yourself up for failure yeah, exactly. Um, and it's it it was the CGI that bothered me, yeah. like because uh, there's just something about that practical, uh, especially in the first one, um, or I should say the one with Kurt Russell is not the first one; it's the remake. But um, uh, it might now. I've never seen the one from the fifties, the thing from another world, but as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> right. the, it's, it's such a different movie from the original that John Carpenter's yeah, version too. is yeah. the original, the thing to just, me. Yeah. I just consider that the first one. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm with y'all not. Um, but like <laughs> with the practical effects, it's impressive. And there's just something about everything looking so gooey. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's like everything looks like it's got this like layer of slime on it. Mm-hmm. And you just like you're looking at it and you're like, Ugh. <laughs> like yeah, well, let's so let's um let's jump uh, a little further into the 80s because uh, on my desk I have something that I purchased from. Carolina Fear Fest, which is a little um, custom-made Elm Street sign. Let's jump over to a little guy named Freddy Krueger. Ooh, okay. And, I mean, how many hours could we spend doing a podcast episode talking about the practical effects in Nightmare on Elm Street? Yeah, I mean, those are really good, too. I mean... Any, um... any, Any of them. They just... You can... Whether you like the Nightmare on Elm Street series or not, or whether you hate one of the entries or not... Every single one of them in the original uh, franchise before the remake has the best practical effects. And don't get me wrong, I enjoy the remake, but, you know, practical Burn Freddy will always be scarier to me than CGI Burn Freddy. Yeah, and I I honestly can't say that um, any... Of, of course, the original... Um, probably has the best i mean you can say anything you want about the sequels um i don't know man My, so but when the 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 original um him being behind the wall mm-hmm. where he's like over her bed and like just kind of playing with the wall or like trying to come out of it mm-hmm. like yep it's, yep. A, it's a cool effect or how about and, when he first shows up to Tina and he slices his fingers off? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know man, so, like even the sequels have some of the best practical effects like the um the fucking uh cockroach death in uh Dream Master. Mhm. Just that whole like 5 minutes of uh Debbie the workout girl I think is her name. Uh yeah. just slowly like collapsing and her arms being ripped off by the weights and becoming a cockroach and he just crushes her like insane. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's yeah. It's um, 
and it, I feel like uh, people and directors got arrogant or not arrogant, but you know, it was like, uh, yeah, I could do this practically, but I've got CGI now. So let me just do CGI. And I'm like, no, you're freaking lazy. Yeah, like, no, it's, it's a, it's a cheat to, uh, to do that but you know sometimes it does work and you do need it but when you the problem comes in when you solely rely on it right exactly and that's and and that's kind of like you know what i was saying earlier um with like peter jackson and lord of the rings like he didn't do it unless he had to do it it was sure. like if, if i can make it happen i'm gonna make it happen mm -hmm. if i'm gotta do cgi i'll do cgi um yeah but it, it yeah everybody just kind of lost that sentiment where it was like you know um oh we can just cgi this and it's like no man no <laughs> <laughs> like try to because it either way it just looks better like it yeah always it looks real like mm -hmm. or I, I mean, even if it doesn't look a hundred percent real, mm -hmm. like it's it still looks better. Sure, you know what I'm saying. Like, so yeah, I, and we <laughs> so biggest shift in quality from movie to movie. This is another movie that I see sitting across the room from me. Uh. I will always get down on some werewolf movies and mm. American werewolf in London, dude. Dude, that original, I mean, that, that is, you want, if you want to talk practical effects, like that's, uh, I mean, <laughs> that's the king, man. The, right? Like that, that transition where he turns into the werewolf. I mean, that's, yeah, and again, it's like it's like That's a it's like work. a five minute scene, but you still you're you're just sucked in. <laughs> yeah, and uh, the reason I said biggest shift from movie to movie is oh boy, did you sit through American Werewolf in Paris? Um, I think that I did. Okay, uh, so it's been a long time. American Werewolf in Paris was 1997, I believe. Okay. And that, do you want to talk about people where they were just like, yeah, let's just go CGI. Those are some of the sh shittiest CGI werewolves I've ever seen. They are from like <laughs> 90s kids cartoons. Like, yeah, um, I gotcha. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's ridiculous. The transformations remind me of like Animorphs. <laughs> and yeah That's it, a throwback. It, it yeah i know right obscure pick uh but yeah dude it is um it is insane that they thought that that was okay to release um and american werewolf in paris is enjoyable to an extent but just no it no it's actually not bad it's pretty no good. but it's another one of those like you're following american werewolf in london up with this one much like the thing prequel did and it's just like you're not gonna win like it's not gonna be as good yeah and and i, I mean there was aspects um of both of those um especially the thing you know prequel that mm -hmm. were good like there was yeah, for sure. some really good stuff in there Mm-hmm. Yeah, we uh yeah. American Werewolf in London. Anytime I see a good uh werewolf transformation, I am just instantly happy. And you know, we'd be doing a huge disservice to you know, being a horror podcast if we didn't bring up Hellraiser. Ooh, yeah. That's a Hellraiser good. is almost too good. much sometimes for me to watch. Good point, buddy. Yeah, that's that's a a lot of practical effects that are yeah, they're gross. Yeah. And and again, it's uh <laughs> it's kinda like a thing. Everything's like slimy. Everything's like 
you know, it's like it's like slimy, it's gross looking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it, like everything's like wet. <laughs> yeah, dude. The, um, anytime I see um, Frank get ripped apart by the chains and the hooks. Yeah. And it's just digging. It's like stretching his skin out. Oh, it's almost too gross for me to watch sometimes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that's because it's well done. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. Hellraiser, we... Do you keep up with that with that series, like, much anymore? I know that they have another one coming out towards the end of the year, but it's going to be a, a female pinhead? Um. Yeah, I think I heard that. Um. But... Um, I think I, I think I watched the last one, um, but it was, it was super low budge and, sure. uh, I wasn't that impressed with it. Okay. Yeah. Cause I got, I got, okay. I think, th- uh, three or four into the franchise and then I kind of was like, eh, um, yeah, <laughs> the, again, the original's great, but I, I don't need to watch the like 15 other sequels that they have. Right. And uh, so I'm kind of just spouting off here, but this might be a slightly less obscure one. But if you're if you're a hardcore horror fan, then I'm pretty sure, you know, this movie um, Pumpkinhead. Oh, yeah. With uh, yeah. our boy from uh, Aliens, I think is the one he's in. Lance Henriksen. Yep. Yep. He uh, plays the android. Yep. Talk about it. So Pumpkinhead, you've seen then, right? Oh, of course. Dude, talk about a badass creature. Yeah, the creature design's really good. Um, and actually, uh, it, I mean, to be honest, uh, Pumpkinhead kind of looks like one of the aliens. The xenomorph? I think I actually heard on Horror Movie Night when they were talking about it that, uh, oh, shit, what's his name? Uh, Stan Winston mm-hmm. was... Um, Maybe he directed it or did the the special effects for it. I think he actually directed Pumpkinhead as his one like directorial job, but he right. also like worked heavily on the Xenomorph. Right. And well, uh, I mean, so I think that's the reason for some of the similarities between the cre- the creatures. Yeah, it doesn't. Um, well, it actually um, a lot of people don't like. Um, alien resurrection <laughs> i um, actually haven't made it that far into the into the series which is good because there's um well i actually like that one and it's uh it, one of the aliens is kind of crossbred um with a person <laughs> and so yeah. it's got the light skin and it's got the long head and everything mm-hmm. um so it it looks like pumpkin head actually. <laughs> sure. <laughs> That's funny. Um or or at least close. Um Yeah, dude. Pumpkin pumpkin head is the is the shit. I would definitely love to do uh a discussion on that one as well. Um what other what other good practical effects we got out there? What comes to Um well, I mean it definitely well, you just did um you just did from Dust Till Dawn. And yeah. I mean that's a ton. That's a ton of it. Oh yeah, I just watched From Dust Till Dawn for um, something. You know, stay tuned. Maybe hush hush. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I just watched From Dust Till Dawn for the first time. Um, and yeah, Tom Savini all up in there. Uh, who I also just met at uh, at Carolina Fear Fest. Super cool dude. And um, I mean, I mean, he's a a god among men when it comes to practical effects and yeah those vampires in from dust till dawn are the shit they're awesome yeah they're good and all of all of the kind of like major um like kill scenes and and stuff like that um especially what is it um when they're when they're taking people's limbs and stuffing the holes in the doors <laughs> And the limbs are like shaking and just like, uh, it's just, it's just good stuff. Like, yeah. And, and like we talked about it a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, there are a few moments of, you know, CGI in there that are not the greatest because they're yeah, early they're, 90s. Que- they're questionable or whatnot. Or yep. late nineties, <laughs> but, 
Um, but yeah, for the most part, I mean, everything you see in there is like all, all done by him. Yeah. Sex, uh, sex yeah. machine all day, every day, man. And, uh, yeah, when man. I, when I, when I got to meet him, I actually told him, um, what my favorite, um, project of his was, which is, uh, the practical effects in Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. Yeah, With- absolutely. Like the the grandpa and uh, yeah, dude, the the special effects in T- Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. I love the original, but Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two is absolutely my favorite of the franchise. Well, and um, that's where you get uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Bill Mosley. Yep. Chop top. Yeah, dude. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Two. What a what an awesome. Uh, movie i mean all the texas chainsaw massacres have really good practical effects actually and i i also started to watch those from front to back too and i never realized how many before they were famous people were in <laughs> were in the later sequels oh yeah there's a ton of people vigo, vigo mortensen in part yeah. three and then renee zellweger and matthew mcconaughey in the in part four yeah, mcconaughey is in part four yep which I, I, it's so bad, but I love Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the next generation. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, what else we got out there? We got the Hatchet series. That's another good one. Yeah, I watched uh, the first, probably, what are, are there more uh, there's, than three? There's, there's four now. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I've watched the first three. Yeah, Hatchet, um, Hatchet is just... If you're in in the mood for just like mindless gore and practical effect kills out the wazoo, check out the Hatchet series. <laughs> well, yeah, I was I was actually I mean we talked about it before, but um, the uh, uh, Terrifier. Yeah, I mean, dude, <laughs> that was God. I mean, I remember that was actually one of the times where I recommended the movie to you and I had the pleasure of sitting down and watching it with you for your first time seeing it. And that when that fucking scene comes up, I purpose (laughs) purposefully looked over to see your reaction (laughs) when it goes down the middle. I was just like, oh, my God, hacksaw down the middle to the face. Yes. Yep. Also, and, also practical effects too, and very unsettling because yep, of it. All practical. Yep. <laughs> yeah, dude, that terrifier is the shit. I am so excited for that sequel to come out too. We've got Terrifier two uh, coming out sometime soon, hopefully by the end of the year. Oh, sweet! I didn't know that. Yeah, Felissa Rose from Sleepaway Camp is going to be in it. Oh, cool! So I'm stoked for. Uh, for that, Very yeah, cool. dude. Just any any practical effects are always gonna stand out more than heavily used uh, CGI. Yeah, um, and even going even going back to um, you know Alien, um, you know they they went through a lot of trouble trying to get somebody into that Alien suit and <laughs> make it and make it look different or you know make it look you know realistic um yeah and of course in the in, in the newer ones they've gone with a little more cgi yeah. but they they've tried to hold back as much as they can mm-hmm. um, well, because in yeah. the new one like they got them climbing all over the ships and like <laughs> doing all this crazy stuff you know um yeah well i also you know we're we're kind of comparing like old age to new age a little bit. And on the first episode, people heard us talk about um, it and how the 1990 version of it with Tim Curry is my favorite horror film of all time. And I think what scares me more about the original version with the TV movie is that it's those practical effects. You know, you can say what you want about the spider um, or the blood, the blood balloons, or you know any of the creatures that, sh- yeah. or the werewolf, any of the creatures that show up, they're real things, and that just you know no nothing with Bill Skarsgård. I thought he did a phenomenal job, and I love those movies too. Um, but Tim Curry's portrayal is just scary to me because he's working with just his, 
persona and his clown makeup and then when they bring in creatures like it's just real stuff and it just it grosses me out and it sticks with me more yeah it does um it's uh yeah you just um you just kind of align with it more um but it just it just looks more realistic um absolutely um and one one of the cool things though i don't know if you knew about this but um in the new it chapter one and two mm. when um when pennywise is doing all his weird eye stuff because the eye moves yes when the eyes yeah. go different and, directions yes yeah, scars guard actually did that Yep, I heard that story it where the, produ- the, yeah. the filmmakers were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna CGI this for you later," and he's like, "Why would you do that? I can just do it." And then bang. <laughs> yeah, and that's crazy. It's just like what? Yeah, dude. Um, well, and since since we're talking about that too, um, the uh, the scene in it chapter two, uh, they have the the head that turns into the spider. Um, yeah. A little homage to the thing there. Yep. And he even says, what? Got, the yeah. Fuck? Yeah. yeah. I think he actually says, you gotta be fucking kidding. Yeah. You gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> yeah, Dude. Bill Hader is so great in that movie. I love him in that. And, uh, you know, we're talking about Stephen King, um, two little moments Ooh. in, uh, Stephen King movies that are practical effects that jump out at me. Both of them equally disturbing. The gross elderly lady in room 217. Uh, or no, 237 in the movie, but 217 in the book. Um, um, yeah, well, so The Shining. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the gross elderly lady yeah, in The Shining from room 237. And, oh God, we talk... <laughs> this is a torture porn moment if I've ever seen it, but they don't show it so much like they normally would but it's still it gets the job done the fucking bent ankle in misery when uh when kathy bates smashes uh paul's leg with a or ankle with a sledgehammer yep i mean that's a practical ankle but it they cut so quickly but you see enough of the ankle that you're just like oh my god like yeah you see that shit curds sideways oh, dude, like, one, of, oh. one of the best horror moments ever is that angle break yeah and there's i mean there's there's a whole lot to be said to um with the shining since you bring it up mm-hmm. um i mean there's there's no i i mean there's nothing in there except except practical yeah, I was gonna um, say I don't I don't think there's any CGI in The Shining. No, um, the chick in the tub, and then um, even all of the ghosts or what whatever you want to call them that are in the hotel. Yeah, which which there's, which, there's none of that. Yeah, yeah. Which side note? I can't believe I forgot about this when we did our first episode about what kind of got us into horror. I also, I didn't know what the movie was, but I also walked into the room as a little kid during the woman in the tub in room 237. That yeah. scared the... Hey everybody, we're back. And uh, the recording device storage with the SD card uh, got full mid-sentence as you just heard it cut itself off. So uh, <laughs> we're chiming back in with uh, our voices just picking back up where we left off. Yeah, I'm looking for a new producer. We're going to have to figure <laughs> this shit out. Yep. Bigger SD card needed, but a more competent uh, editor, I guess. <laughs> yeah, I can't deal with it. Nope. We had, to basically, we had to basically take an intermission, and Jason went to go watch a movie or something, and yeah. I, I was just too terrified of what I was talking about. And actually what happened is that I I had to stop recording because I was just traumatized. Well, yeah, that's easy to do. (laughs) Listen, that woman in room 237 in The Shining is scary as shit, okay? (laughs) Yeah, that's that's where we tore off was um, 
yeah, room two three seven. Yep. Um and uh fun side note, anybody that has not seen the documentary Room two three seven uh needs to be watched. Yes, I actually have not seen that myself. I probably, once we get done recording here, will probably be jumping off to go watch it myself because I have heard some crazy stuff about uh, yeah about that documentary. There's, so there's yeah, there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, uh, even though, uh, unfortunately, Stephen King uh, was not a fan of the Shining movie that Kubrick did. Um, I still love The Shining, uh, and there's some there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, watching Room Two Three Seven, they actually map the hotel out uh, as far as the camera angles and everything like that. Like they map it out, and when you're watching the characters walk around the hotel. Uh, the mapping doesn't work like they should not be able to walk the places that they're going and nothing matches up. So um, just yeah, a cool little side note. It's, 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 it's a funky one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I also, uh, I've never read the book of the shining, but um, I, I gotta say just based on what I know of the, of the story of the book, I kind of appreciate that the the main movie adaptation of it because I know they did like a uh, like a mini series of it in the '90s for for television later on. Um, but I, I I appreciate that they did something kind of radically different for the movie adaptation because it's like you know they're different, but it's like you know a good one two punch. You can go read the book and have a good time with that, and then you can pop on the movie, and it's the changes they made. I thought made it just as as terrifying as uh as the book story so yeah um and the 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 ending from the book um and the ending from you know stanley kubrick's version they're definitely different and i think uh i think king had a problem with that and i th- i think the other thing that he complained about was in the movie they seemed to make it so that Jack was kind of crazy from the start. Yeah. But in the book it's kind of a very slow progression. Like Yeah, it's it's supposed to be like he is a, a good father trying to be better, yeah, good husband, good father, but yeah. Then he's overtaken by the ghosts, but yeah, they kind of make it that uh, Jack is kind of um, plotting and and evil from the from the start. Right. So, yeah, it's it's from- it's always interesting to to compare and contrast the the book versus versus the movie because Stanley Kubrick did his own thing and Stephen King did his own thing, but I think honestly, I know I know Stephen King doesn't like it, but I. I think they're great companion pieces, honestly. Yeah, absolutely. I I, I think they're both great. Um, and and just you know, coming from where we started, because this was our, you know, our practical effects episode. Uh, I mean, there is there is nothing in there that they just didn't do themselves, or that Kubrick didn't do. Um, and it it also. It also gives to the fact that uh, less is better. Oh, yeah, for sure. Not all the time, because it's, you know, you see you see horror movies where it's like, boom, there's the monster, and you see the monster, and especially if, if the monster or the ghost or whatever it is is, uh, is CGI, it, it, it just kind of kills it for you versus like not being able to see what's going on or maybe just getting kind of glimpses of it the monster or the ghost or or you know whatever is going on just getting those glimpses and you know it's <laughs> it's innate in everybody <laughs> everybody's like let me see the thing let me see it what is it <laughs> 
Yep. You know, like you, you see a hand or you see a part of the face or, you, you know, you see, you know, just something and you're just like, I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah, I we're going to you're you're bringing up uh, a reminder of, of an episode idea that we really want to uh, do somewhere down the road, which is uh, we want to discuss ambiguity in horror movies and kind yeah. of touch on where we feel like movies got it right. And then talk about where movies got it wrong by not showing more. And I almost, in that episode, I almost want to uh, come prepared with like some lists of each of our own where we talk about movies that we personally think could have done better by showing less or movies that, um, that absolutely needed to show more. I think that'd be a cool little experiment and and deep dive into it sure and that's and that's a really thin line yeah uh, absolutely and we'll between are we showing enough are we showing too little Uh, you know what's what's the good balance on it you know because i mean there's there's a couple of movies that i've seen where it's just like you know maybe midway through the movie they expose the monster or whatever it may be and you see it and it just ruins like it's oh yeah like it, it looks cheesy or it looks it looks bad you know you just and then the rest of the movie you're just kind of like blah <laughs> yeah the uh <laughs> yeah a bad reveal of a monster can absolutely uh ruin the the whole rest of the movie for you so that'll be a def- that'll definitely be a cool um topic to discuss as we as we go along here um well and that was a good thing because we we talked about the thing the original and the remake um and the remake uh when you when you see the thing Mm -hmm. for the first time you're just like all right (laughs) as much as i love the thing that is pure nightmare fuel thinking about being killed by that thing (laughs) it is it is so gross when he digs when it digs its hand into someone's face to assimilate them Like, yeah. That's such a, a terrible way to go. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, yeah, that that the thing is like I think I said this earlier on, but like top tier or god tier uh, practical effects in in horror. I mean, that's just whenever anybody mentions practical effects, that's like usually what comes to mind first and Absolutely. foremost. I mean- so. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think I'm trying to think what would be close to it, um, which on one hand, you would consider it kind of easy. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, you have some really good moments um, in interview with the vampire. Oh, yeah. Vampires are kind of like easy to do. Like it's okay. You're, you know, we got fangs and we got blood rolling down. Whatever, that's fine. But then when you look at the the scene where uh, Brad Pitt sets all their coffins on fire and is walking through with a sickle and just like mm-hmm. slicing them all in half, like yep. you're just like whoa. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty gnarly. <laughs> yeah, he's going in there and cutting people in half and it looks real. <laughs> like Yeah, it we looks, it looks insane. And even more uh modern than that to to tie back into the shining for like the 30th time on the on the podcast. We will do an episode on that one of these days cuz it is just I know a million other people have have talked about it and done, you know, analyzations of it, but it's like it's such a good movie. We can't not throw some love its way and, and dedicate an episode to it. So that's coming one day. But what I also want to discuss is a movie that I actually think is pretty underrated in the horror community. Like the horror community knows about it for the most part, but 
that sequel that they did a few years ago, Doctor Sleep, man. Yeah, I thought that's what you were gonna say. Yeah, yeah. Doctor Sleep, I thought was fantastic, and I, I think it deserves a little bit more love than than what it gets. And there's a lot of great um, practical effects in there with the, um, the the True Knot um, clan in there, yeah. um, and yeah. and they, you know, slight spoiler, but. You see the woman in room 237 again, and she's got, you know, a little bit of an update. Um, right. But they bring back those practical effects in there, too, and it's still still fantastic. And Doctor Sleep is interesting, too, because it's almost <clears throat> a, a mixture of stuff from Stephen King's book of Doctor Sleep and somewhat of the original Shining book but also mixed with Kubrick's version of The Shining. So I, I think it actually is a pretty interesting watch when you consider the the back and forth between the film adaptation and the book version well, of, of The Shining. Well, yeah, and, and definitely not even um, like a, uh, a slight to you, but I know a lot more of Stephen King's work than you do. Absolutely. Um, so watching Dr. Sleep, there's so many other aspects to it that come from, um, and even if you just want to call them like, you know, Easter eggs or throwbacks or, or whatever, <laughs> there's just so many little moments in there, uh, that just, you're like watching it. If you're a big Stephen King fan, mm-hmm. you're like, Oh crap. Oh crap. Like, you're like, oh, look at that, look at that. Yeah, I. Uh, the only thing that comes to mind with uh, Easter eggs that I saw recently was, and I know you weren't crazy about this movie, and I, th- I thought it was decent for the most part, but the Pet Cemetery remake, when the mom is sitting in the traffic, it says, like, um, this many miles to uh, Derry. Yeah. So yeah. I thought that was cool, which I can't believe that, this far into the episode, we haven't brought that up. The original Pet Cemetery, man, those are some fantastic practical effects. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Zelda um, is one is, of the scariest things from the original Pet Cemetery and in horror period. Well, and that was that was one of the problems that I had with the Pet Cemetery remake is because they didn't lean into Zelda mm-hmm. like they did in the original. And to be honest, watching the original, the things that stuck with me were not like Gage. I mean, of course, not at all. I mean, Gage was creepy, of course. I mean, watching it it now, it, it, it doesn't age quite as well. Just but they didn't like try to CGI, which at the time they didn't have CGI, really. So. Um, but, uh, yeah, Zelda was just, (laughs) was just freaking terrifying, man. Yeah. That, that, Um, that whole never get out of bed scene is one of the most terrifying scenes ever where she's, uh, what's the mom's name? Uh, Rachel. Yeah. And she's like, Rachel. Yeah, I'll twist your spine like mine, and you'll never get out of bed again. Never get out of bed again. I mean, ugh. Well, and then absolutely terrifying. Oh yeah. Well, and then the other thing that they cut too was um, in the original. uh, Judd tells the story of the first, the first person that put their son. That's right. I remember that. Is that not in the? Is that not in the remake? I've only seen the remake once, so I can't quite remember. I've I've I'm like ninety percent sure that it's not. Okay. Yeah. That. um, Yeah. Again. Again, I didn't. I didn't think the remake was great, but it's. I mean, it's enjoyable for. For what it is, but if you sit me down and you say, "Look, you can only watch the original or the remake," I'm gonna pick the original anytime. Yeah, it's 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 not horrible, like, but it's it's definitely not the original, and and 
to me, some of the scariest parts from the original, again, were not like, you know, church or Mm -hmm. gauge. It was it was Zelda and um, that that story that Judd tells about the original kid that was buried up there and the kid like they set the house on fire and the kid holds his dad down to burn yep. to death and shit. Like those were some of the scariest parts for me. And so they left those parts out and I was just <laughs> like, what? Come on, man. Like, yeah, that's, you know, like, that's where the- you know what scene actually didn't used to scare me with pet cemetery, the original, but it does for some reason now it's really early on. It's when, the dad brings in the victim that's just been in the the road accident and he's got the yes he's got the head wound and he's warning him about the pet cemetery yes i don't that never used to scare me and now it it freaks me out so badly yeah (laughs) he uh yeah his picture on the cover his um just just that whole scene is is terrifying to me I, I feel like that's another part. So when you watch the new one, um, the new one, uh, when they show him after the car accident, it's definitely yep. more graphic. Uh, oh yeah, but it doesn't. It, it, it doesn't. doesn't it doesn't have the same effect at all. As, yeah, exactly. Yeah, for sure. But but for sure, that's a pretty good modern movie that that did lay into the practical stuff. I mean, other than, you know, what they had to do, like ghost wise with Pascal, I can't even really, can't even really think of what they did digital for the most part. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but yeah, I, I, I can't think of, a whole lot that was in there. Yeah, no, it's a good one. I actually just realized looking down that I have an ice I have an Ice Nine Kill shirt on and it's mm-hmm. their pet cemetery shirt and written on the back of my shirt is sometimes dead is better. Yep, dead is better. And uh sometimes yeah, any, dead is better. Yep. Sometimes dead is better. Yeah, anybody who likes metal music and hasn't heard Ice Nine Kills before, go check out their Silver Scream albums. And listen to the Pet Cemetery song, um, Funeral Derangements. Fantastic um, take on the on the film and, and the book. And one thing I told uh, Jason that I want to do is do an episode where he listens to those just back to back, Silver Scream 1 and 2. And then we come back and do an episode where he kind of reacts to them and we, we go through the, the tracks and the takes on the movies and whatnot. I'm into it. Yeah. So anybody that hasn't heard those, definitely go check them out. Highly, highly recommend. Um, well, Jason, I think we've uh, I think we've smashed it with this. I'm looking at you know a list of movies we've talked about, and we've talked about almost 20 films. So, do you have yeah, any I'm other fine. any other movies that come to mind that you want to touch on before we wrap this on up? No, I mean I I think um, I think we pretty much covered like kind of the main ones um yeah and i'm sure i'm sure there's plenty more um but i will leave that up to our our listeners here hopefully we have some listeners (laughs) by by this point as we're wrapping up this episode we've put out our first two episodes and uh you know we've we've gotten some feedback from some friends and family and uh we want to hopefully we'll continue to to hear from you guys and you'll let us know what you think of the podcast because we're having a blast uh, doing this so far. Absolutely. Yeah, and if it, if, if anyone wants to chime in, um, yep. you know, especially on any certain topic, like, uh, you know, um, what you thought of the hunger uh, or hunger um, or what you thought of our episode tonight about practical effects and everything, if you have a favorite that you like that you would like us to chime in on uh we'll definitely do that absolutely yeah and on that note we'll touch on um since we recorded the first few episodes 
We are now active on a couple of social media platforms, and you can definitely use those to get in touch with us. And if you have other topics in horror that you want to hear us talk about, definitely let us know, and we'll we'll look into it and work it into an episode. And who knows, maybe you could be a guest on there. Um, and uh, you know, not saying too much, but I'm pretty sure we have a guest on next week episode. Next oh, week's yeah. episode. Um, we have we have the guest yeah on this week episode uh and uh we're looking forward to it and we're looking forward uh to you guys hearing it yeah so and, next week be on the lookout for that it's gonna be a really fun episode and it did get it gets pretty crazy we've we obviously yeah. have heard what we've what we've talked about on there um yeah, and it's, it's probably we might we might even need to split it into two, but yeah, I don't either know. way, <laughs> either way, uh, keep the ears open. Absolutely. So yeah, um, thank you guys for checking this out, and uh, look forward to next week with uh, a big episode, possibly a two-parter with uh, with a special guest of ours. Um, but in the meantime, if you guys do want to follow us and stay up to date on all things Midnight Terrors, we are on Instagram now. If you look us up, it's Midnight Terrors Podcast. And, uh, you know, we post when the episodes are on there. I'm posting some stories on there every now and again and just asking questions and interacting with other horror podcasts and friends and family on there. We're also on Facebook now, also Midnight Terrors Podcast. You can shoot us a message on there or um, leave a comment on some of our posts on there. Um, Jason and I will be both interacting on that one. Instagram is mostly just me, but on Facebook, um, it'll be both of us. So again, Midnight Terrors Podcast on Facebook as well. And uh, yeah, you can... Spotify and Apple Apple Music or Apple Podcast, yep. That's right. We are on Spotify with our first few episodes and we'll we will be on Spotify going forward for every episode and yes, we are also on Apple Podcasts now. Um again, all under Midnight Terrors, you'll see our logo on there. And uh we're excited. New episodes every Sunday. This is this is going to be fun. We've got a lot of cool stuff on the Midnight on the horizon here. Terrors. <laughs> yeah, buddy. All right. Well, uh, Jason, thank you for joining me again. And uh, I look forward to this mysterious guest joining us to talk some more horror next week on Midnight Terrors. Oh, it's going to be good stuff, man. Awesome. Thank you guys so much. We will see you next week.